From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 231, and today I'm joined by filmmaker Christopher Ware-Smetz. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Police Story. I'm Jeremy, and I have seen this film a couple times. Oh, I'm Chris, and I've never seen this movie. I'm so excited by it. So before we go into my love for the movie without spoiling anything... You picked the movie. No, I guess this is one that has been floating around for yeah. a while on my on my list because a couple people expressed interest at different points, um, and it was one that I absolutely wanted to wait and hold off on until we could watch it with other people because it's such a good movie to watch on a bigger screen, good sound, and just to like experience with somebody else. It's it's one of those movies I wanted to rewatch it that way. But what made what had this? How did this get on your radar? Oh, I think just because it's a movie that's talked about as being kind of, I feel like it's sort of, between this and Drunken Master, these are sort of thought of as like Jackie Chan's like big kind of, like like the pinnacle of, of his Hong Kong work before he did his big US breakthrough. Probably. Yeah. I still haven't seen Drunken Master, actually. It's one of oh, my black holes. I hear Drunken Master 2 is the one you gotta see. Ah. Drunken Master 2, apparently, which was just Well, I can't Master. see Drunken Master 2 without seeing Drunken Master 1, Chris. I don't even know if they connect, to be honest. I think ah. it might be an Evil Dead 2 kind of situation where you can you can pick up a Drunken Master 2 and you're fine. I will say, uh, without spoiling anything, Police Story 2 and Police Story 1, you really want to watch the first one. Okay, great. Because the second one does play in... The first one plays in heavily to the second one. Oh, cool. Okay. They kind of pick up right after each other in a way. Oh, really? Like, not not at the moment. Not that not the second, right. but they they follow very closely oh, one great. another. So, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not um, as cut and dry. It's not like James Bond where it kind of resets. Right. Um, it, uh, it has a thing. Anyway... Can, well, yeah, and then that, well, that's so that's it. I just and, and of course, Criterion released that great set. Yeah, uh, a few years ago. How long ago did they release it? Uh, is that in, pre- in, in the last four or five years, right? It was. Yeah, I want to say it was two years ago. Okay, or th- two and a half, maybe. I, I here's the thing. Time I re- is so I'm trying to right now. I remember in a way it was definitely pre-COVID because I remember they announced the box set. And then I, uh, at the farm in Kitchener, uh, where I often spend much time, there's this great theater called the Apollo, mm-hmm. which is this amazing, it's kind of like a very small version of the Alamo Draft House. They serve food and they oh, have like, cool. little tables and stuff. Very, very nice. Uh, and they did a screening, what, uh, because when they, when Criterion, the one, one of the really cool things about when Criterion remasters movies for their for 4K or Blu Blu-ray or when they do them, yeah, they often will make uh, DCPs of those. Oh, fantastic! So that way, exhibitors like small run theaters can rescreen them, right? Yeah. And so because of that, there was a new like first ever high def print of Police Story circulating around the indie cinemas, and so the uh, Apollo did a screening of it, and so I went. One night. So that was your first green I saw it in, in a theater. I saw it in a theater. Oh, fantastic. It was... And I went in knowing nothing. Yeah. And what a gift. Yeah. So I immediately ordered the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I... Yeah, I think I, I did pick that one up. Uh, I got the... I, I ordered the Blu-ray because I knew I wanted to see that. And I think now... If you're a Criterion channel subscriber, I feel like... They are on there. They now. are on there yeah. or have been on there. Uh, they I, I actually checked before... 
before tonight. So Police Story One and Two were on there. Yeah, and all the all the extras from the that's was amazing. Again, yeah. I I I I should get money from Criterion, but they it, again if you're a film student and you're not spending that nine bucks a month to be a member, oh. like. You get all the bonus features online. It's unbelievable. I mean, it really. I feel like it was, they, they should be a sponsor of the show. But they, they, uh, it's it's one of the best deals around. It, when you think about how much one of their discs costs, yeah. it's like you know you're talking about thirty, forty bucks. It's a quarter of that for a one month membership, and you can watch infinite number of things, commentaries, documentaries, behind I mean, the scenes. If you're if you're only watching like one movie a day. If you were if you were like that insane, like getting up in the morning like, during during the I don't know what you're like during the heights of the pandemic, but all I could do was watch movies. I couldn't read, I couldn't focus on anything. Yeah. But to be able to get up at five six in the morning, cause like you know we couldn't sleep, uh, and watch a movie first thing, having Criterion was just the greatest gift. And they and they just they bring back like they had all of Chaplin's stuff on there a couple right. months ago, like even like some stuff I'd never heard of. Yeah. Uh, and they just, they also... It's almost too much. It's, it is too much. Like, you'll never get through it all. And, but, but what's nice, too, is they curate. They also will have some stuff on that they just bring on for a little bit. There's some stuff that's always on there. But then it, it, there's a nice flow to it. They have a great mailing list where you they'll let you know every month. I'm like, here's the new stuff and here's what's leaving. Oh, yeah. That, that's I'm always the guy who goes to, like, the what's leaving section so I mean, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be working through some of the John Houston movies that I haven't yeah. seen that are that are going to be taken off this month. Uh, yeah, I, I, that that's always my first stop. Like, oh my god, what do I what do I have to like put on the list? And of course, like I maybe get through like a third, sort of on average. Yeah, yeah I don't want to always do them all. I, 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 I prioritize. I prior like what do you do? Because I prioritize stuff that's not readily available. Because there's lots of stuff that might only stream on Criterion because they got the rights, and it's not on iTunes. It's not anywhere else. Uh, and the only way you would be able to get it would be like like a hard copy. Yeah, I kind of marry that between because it'll come back eventually. Sure. Like they, I think they just it's one of those Disney Vault things where they just pull it away so they can pull it back out again later. Um, I I think I usually especially if it's not available anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, so I usually I kind of go between that and then just how much do I want to watch it? Yeah. Um, but I'll also like the funny thing is I will like I'm okay with turning off something on there if mm-hmm. I'm not into it because I'll just go to the next thing sure as opposed to you know suffering through a two and a half hour movie that I'm just not into <laughs> because yeah. but where I've you know sometimes I've bought some of the Criterion Blu-rays and then I've gotten them I'm like eh, I'm you only don't love them. I don't love it but I'm like I just paid 20 bucks 30 bucks for it I'm like yeah. I'm gonna watch the damn thing for sure where I feel you know I don't feel that obligation with the channel as much anyway that's enough Enough Criterion. Enough talk. Criterion. There, There's you're, not the you're, Criterion you're, cast. You're, they're going to sponsor the podcast. I do. <laughs> I do this anyway. No, the the people at uh, at Unobstructed uh, View are very mm-hmm. are very kind to me with uh, with some gifts here and there. So. As it should be. So I so I am somewhat sponsored by by Criterion go, uh, yeah. through those lovely people <laughs> by proxy by proxy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess so. I don't want to get into too much because it's just. I don't want to. There's so many little gifts inside this movie. Yeah, we can. I mean, we can talk about our respective histories with Jackie Chan after the movie, if you want to, or do you want to? Yeah, like, well, you can talk about that now because it doesn't ruin anything. Well, I would say it's funny because I mean, he was always somebody who I was aware of. I think we talked about this in our in our Bruce Lee episode, in our End of the Dragon episode, which was I always love watching kung fu movies, and I'm always like looking back, oh, I haven't seen as nearly as many as I probably would like to because I always have such a great time with them they're always so, so incredible so I knew who I knew who Jackie Chan was obviously um, but I hadn't even had the experience of watching his stuff on TV or on on video my first experience was when New Line uh, re-released Rumble in the Bronx okay. back in the 90s and it was genuinely one of the greatest in theater experiences I've ever had. It was so much fun. That's like the me with the police story, where it was just like it was a packed audience. Yeah, it was pre-COVID, and it just went. People went nuts for it because I think a lot, like a lot of other people, a lot of those college students are probably a little drunk. Mm-hmm. But people were. I think people were also like went in under expecting less of it. Yeah, and were just kind of blown away by how fun it is. Like for me, I'll take Jackie Chan over Bruce Lee any day. Sure, I think. 
you know, you could probably argue who's more physical, who's got who's better fighting. I was like, Jackie Chan's just more fun. Yeah. Like, I just think his story, I think his uh, storytelling is stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his, uh, the way he shoots fights is, is a bit more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just something more inherently fun about it than with Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, I can admire and I, I enjoy his movies, but Jackie Chan movies, I legitimately love. Yeah. Well, the thing that I always am kind of amazed by with regard to, mm. to Rumble in the Bronx being his big breakthrough movie was the fact that it was a, you know, a U.S. re-release of what had been a Hong Kong film. It was not intended to be a big American studio release. It was meant to be one of these, like, you know, of the, of the many million films they, shoot in Hong, they used to shoot in Hong Kong. I don't, I'm, I'm sure they still do, but, I mean, obviously the 90s were such a, you know, in the 80s was such a crazy time for Hong Kong action. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know... I mean, obviously we had the phenomenon in the 90s of like all the Star Wars films being re-released and like being number one, like Star Wars being number one again for a month. But that was what happened with Rumble in the Bronx, which was so incredible, is that it comes out, he's never really had that kind of big theatrical film. He's had, uh, there's other ones, I guess, the films he's been in, like obviously the, um, like the Cannibal Run movies and stuff. But he had this whole kind of cult just from home video that was bubbling under and all of a sudden this film comes out and like, you know, it's like, I think it was two or three years old and it's this fucking phenomenon. Like it was packed. So, I mean, when I was seeing it, it wasn't as though it was the one night or two night rep theater screening, which is also like an, always an amazing experience. This was like for America, a first run, it was maybe like, you know, a few weeks in and it was still like packed and people were excited and they were they were pumped and they were so into it they were just like it, it, you know the, it was almost like a rock concert uh so I haven't, I haven't seen the movie in forever such a well it's a, it just popped up on canopy i don't know if you, if you guys oh that. so i as i was leaving convinced my kids or at least got a got a, a verbal commitment that they would watch rumble in the bronx with me because i'd love to rewatch it so i want I'll watch it with Ephraim because he hasn't seen Ephraim loves this movie. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay, cool. Big, big fan. Yeah. I Well, the one thing I admire about, and again, this doesn't ruin anything, mm-hmm. like, and, and it's something that I'm influenced in the way I shoot action is doing like the Hong Kong Jackie Chan style where it's like, you see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not this new, let's just move the camera around. Right. And get really tight so we don't actually have to do real choreography and see the hits and we can just like, just cheat it with like shaky cameras and moving around where I love like he likes to keep it wide. Yeah. You get to see like the beginning, middle and end of, of something. Not that he doesn't do some coverage here and there when it, when it's needed, but there's just so much art to that. Like it's, it's like almost like the closest thing I think we have or we had at the point in time when he was really doing this to Chaplin. Sure. Or it's like those silent films. Or like Buster Keaton. Or Buster Keaton, any of those guys yeah, yeah, yeah. that were, were doing, like, just the, the amount of time and effort and thought they put into that choreography and the sure. timing of it. Uh, there's even a great, again, I'm going to go back to Criterion for a second, but someone did this really great um, uh, bonus feature, and I can't remember which movie it's associated with, where they took, they showed Chaplin's films, and like, here's what happens when you actually run it in real time at 24 frames a second. Right. And explained that... These guys had to know how this stuff worked at the frame rate they were going to do it at. So they had to like use their bodies and time things differently yeah, to, yeah. and they would and they knew how that was going to play cuz those guys didn't just shoot everything. Like any one film could have, you know, three or four different frame rates going on inside of it yeah. for different gags. Sure. So they knew maybe they just shot them all a bunch of different ways different frame rates. But he says, I don't think they did. I think they knew which frame rate would play for which gag. And that's almost like the way filmmakers now just like use lenses. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. to be able to, to have that mastery of a frame rate to me is so impressive. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Chan isn't doing that. Like everything here is shot at 20, you know, it's all filmed 24 frames a second. 
but it's more just like the mastery of knowing what's going to look good in a frame mm-hmm. and and just shooting stuff for that frame in terms of action and thinking of especially at the level he's doing it. Yeah. And what I and particularly if you ever watch a Jackie Chan film, especially these old Hong Kong ones, you have to stick around for the credits. Oh, it's all the because it's always the outtakes yeah. of all the stunts going wrong. <laughs> Jesus. And when you see that, you'll appreciate because he makes it look so effortless in yeah. the movies. Yeah. You'll appreciate how much time and effort goes into those stunts when you see just the numerous times he's screwing it up and getting hurt for, yeah. for our entertainment. Yeah. Like the closest person to that probably right now is to- the way Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Cruise himself into stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a story of after on one of the last Mission Impossible movies where after one of his, the big stunts. That almost killed him. Yeah. He just like stopped and stood in front of the crew and just went and yelled, are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> he did pull the gladiator. Yeah. But that's just it. I'm like, that's a guy who does not need to be risking his life for money. Right. He's fine. He, it, but he's just doing it because what else, what other mountain does he have to, to tackle? Well, and the thing that I find with those movies though, is that even though I know that he's doing all his own stunts. I think there's this disconnect we have with film now because of how... It's just not real. Well, yeah, because of how far digital technology has come. That we're always thinking, there's got to be some wire erased here. There's got to be something that we're... Uh, some seam that w- is getting uh, taken out in post because, yeah, it doesn't feel real. Whereas if you watch those Jackie Chan movies, oh. you know that everything is happening. is ha- And it's almost like a musical, too, where it's well, like happening, you know, like a, like a Gene Kelly or a Fred Astaire musical where it's happening like full body you know, one shot. Yeah. And that, but that's his team. Like he, he yeah. has his own stunt team, right? Sure. So he, these are his guys and he knows, and he says that too. He said that in interviews that was like, when he came over to America, the hardest thing was that he didn't have his people. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there's all union people oh, and he wow. couldn't just bring over his whole team. Right. So he had to train people over here and it was almost like it was hard because yeah. Different different union rules to stipulate different things, but also he just didn't know if he could trust these people. He's like, when these people throw stuff at me, I trust them because they know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've trained them. Over here, I don't know if I can trust them. Wow. So it almost like, I think he talks about how, you know, his best work was done in Hong Kong, I mm-hmm. think for those reasons, because mm-hmm. he just had more control. Yeah. And more ability to do that, his own thing. And probably fewer rules. Let's be honest. Sure. Oh, <laughs> that's the other thing. Like when you watch these, the uh, uh, that's the other thing too. Hopefully, some I, nothing's come out of a Jackie Chan abusing crew because I think he treated them so oh, well yeah, and I paid think them so well. Too. But it's like you watch the bonus, the, the end credits. Like I don't, go, yeah. there's blood. People get hurt. I don't think insurance is, works quite the same way in Hong Kong as it does in North America or other other parts of the world. Let's say. Yeah. No, you get you get a green handshake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna look this way. You do your thing. Yeah. Well, that said, after this very long intro, should we dive in? Yeah, good. Let's do it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we just finished. We just finished Police Story. And? I mean... Terrible title. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just... While I was watching, I was actually trying to figure out if that's maybe like the best movie we've done that I've watched with you for Black Hole Films. It's... I mean, it's pretty fucking great. Yeah. Right? There's only one... Here's the thing that impresses me more than... I mean, there's so much that's impressive about this. Uh, It's definitely of its time. Yeah. Like, it's pretty corny, cheesy, as opposed to the jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's a a bit dated in terms of... like There's, you know... Rape is played for a joke at one point. Right. We'll get into that scene. In being beaten, yeah. Being beaten. But it's just these. It's like it's not just physical stuff. Like there's there's physical comedy going on within the action. There's like wordplay going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just like all these different layers of things. But it's also just like a decent story. Right. You know, it doesn't just feel like this weird cobbled together the story. Uh, and there's only really one scene that you could probably pull out of this movie, and it wouldn't affect the whole thing, which is that scene where he is being punished and he's that phone sequence oh like the whole like the like the like rolling around phone. i think the only thing that sets up is him having to go have dinner with may's mom 
I guess, but it's such a silly, it's such a, it's such a fun scene to watch. You talking about the? One oh, it's great! Yeah. It's great! Yeah, it I, literally I, exists because I'm sure he's like, I have this idea. Yeah. Where I want to play like this broken telephone kind yeah. of thing with. So it's clearly one of those things that he just wanted to do something like that. Yeah. And they wedged it into the movie. Yeah, because that really does feel like a silent movie sequence. Yeah, but everything else. Yeah feels grounded in like the story and then all these just extraordinary things happen because of it. Yes. Well, the thing that I was really impressed by watching it is that you are never confused with the narrative. Mm -hmm. You always know what the purpose of each scene is, what the goal is. And if there are times when you don't, like for example, um, when when Bridget Lynn's character, when he's supposed to be protecting her, she goes home and there's the guy there with the mask and the knife. And of course, you immediately you're meant to think, oh, this is someone who's been sent to kill her. Uh, they make the reveal really early on that it's actually the yeah. But they give buddy. you a second. Yeah, they give you a second. But what's really good is that is that he's they're just really good at giving you the information. They're really good at keeping the plot clear. Um, but what's cool is that it's not as if it's one one story. It's not as if like whatever's introduced as the conflict in the beginning, him looking after her, that's the entire movie. It's like, no, no, like every it, it's sequential. Every 10 minutes it shifts to something else. But again, you always are clear as to what the goal is. So you're never confused. You know who you're supposed to root for. You know what the consequences are. Uh, and I think that's... It feels like it feels so novel now. Weirdly, like you feel like nowadays there'd be so much more uh, narrative piled on, or it would be intentionally confusing, or or they wouldn't worry about being that clear. Uh, I'm talking about just like contemporary Hollywood storytelling. Yeah. Well, this is 35 years old. Sure. You sure. Know? But I don't even know if American films had that level of like this is the thing that I find when I ever watch these Hong Kong films from like the 80s and 90s. There's a clarity of storytelling that I associate with American films of like the 30s and 40s. Right. Right. Like, and, and, the, and an economy of storytelling and a brevity of storytelling and it's a directness of, of, of narrative, you know, goals and how our characters need to achieve them. Yeah. Well, that's just it. There's nothing, it's simple, but it's also like, I don't know, there, there's a sophistication going on there. Absolutely. For what it is. And I think and I think you need to have that simplicity in the narrative. Because I think it's actually a huge... It's a huge boon. Because then, yeah, you can hang a bunch of stuff off it. If you know that this guy's going to get from here to here, all the fun stuff... It's all about, like, what kind of shit can you throw at him? You know, what can he do to get there? Well, you know why it's important that he gets there, exactly. right? Like you said, all the goals are set up along the way, you know. But even, like, the first time I watched it, I assumed, oh, the whole movie's gonna be him protecting her. That's it, exactly. You assume that. And yeah. it's like, oh, you've got so much more up your sleeve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, this is like five movies in one. You get the movie where, yeah, he's protecting the the, the witness. Yeah. Uh, you know, the then, like, what is it? It becomes a courtroom two drama. Thir- a courtroom drama. Two thirds of the way through, yeah. they decide to frame him. Right, like, that's a whole movie right there. Right, too. exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's done. It's done so economically. It's almost like a bunch of like short films that are like crammed together. Yeah, you know, and and yeah, they really are like little 10, 15 minute sequences, and then on to the next one, and they're all linked. But uh, I like the fact that you know, again, like that's that's hard to do. Like most movies now, if you were to if they were to sort of like shift the goalposts like that you think it was a, a mess and somehow they're able to like resolve each thing raise the stakes keep moving forward uh but that, they're building on each other uh, that's it that's exactly you know? right yeah but that said it's like when you start a movie with the sequence this movie starts with which yeah. is that the the what, is it, what do they call it? the like a shanty town shanty town yeah like we, I, I was just gleeful on that first frame. And you had no idea what was coming. Yeah, in. they start on that big wide frame of the shanty town, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be so much fun yeah. to watch Chris watch that thing be destroyed." Yeah, and you, it. Well, I'll let you explain. Well, the thing that's yeah. So, what, do you mean to set it up? You lost your mind. I did. It. I did. Well, because they set up the shanty town. It's on a hill. And the the cops are coming down below, and they're trying to catch the 
you know, the drug dealers at the top of the hill. And it's and it's all the sort of like slow setup of, of getting, you know, they're undercover going up to to uh, smoke them out. And essentially they've got, you know, in sort of like a like a Michael Mann kind of fashion. They have the street blocked off with like yep. big rigs and stuff down below. Um, and what's funny about it is that it's played for the first like five minutes or so as kind of a straight ahead cop movie. And you even said like it's so weird to see Jackie Chan with a gun. Like it really doesn't. It feels a little more hard nosed. And then what ends up happening is they it all goes completely wrong at the top of the hill very quickly they very quickly and so they everyone jumps into cars and they basically fucking barrel down the hill <laughs> through houses like it's and and you go back explosions to this, explosions going, going off it's this big wide shot of like cars going through and it just looks it you know what it, it's almost like that episode of Community where they have the like the the paintball the pillow forts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and they're like blasting through like the like the the pillow fort. But it's like that, but with massive props a, and like a town. houses, houses, cars, people like running every which way. Like it's just bananas. <laughs> It's been, and I mean, you, I, I don't know how you would insure that. I don't, I'm sure they didn't insure that, but it's just so many things can go wrong. Well, there. and also you realize, like, I think when I watched it the first time, I just thought they were going, oh, they built this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah they, they built this to destroy it. Like, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I never even thought about that, but of course they did. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, because we're Canadian independent filmmakers. You never have the budget to no. do that. It's like, oh, we found this. Can you do something with it? Yeah, me? we found this house from Shantytown. That we, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We can, like, well, we can set it here. I had it set somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. it looked really cool here on the hill. Yeah, yeah, this sure. This would be no, a great they shot. Fucking, they fucking demolish. And you're not expecting them to fucking demolish this town. No, not in the opening scene. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing that would be amazing for any other film's climax. Yes. Yeah, and it's the <laughs> opening of this movie. It's so bananas. Yeah, it makes me think of, um, and that's what really impresses me too. Uh, I remember Louis C.K. talking um, about how he build used to build. Like he's back doing comedy again, but would build his his one hour was he'd always work towards his best joke being his last joke. Yeah, and then he would take that and put it at the beginning of his act, right? Because it would force him to make the rest better. Okay, so you start. A movie like this with a scene like that, you have to top it. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I don't know if the movie. I mean, the, the the mall sequence is pretty great. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I I don't love that he replays that one shot three times. That is a weird thing. He's falling. Yeah, he's going down. He's sliding down like a bunch of lights. Well, down into a. I, when you watch the the behind the scenes uh-huh. uh, doc that comes on the the Criterion. They, there's a big thing about how dangerous it is because he could have got electrocuted. Right. There's so much. But it doesn't necessarily... It's not as impressive as it seems. Yeah. Uh, given all the other stuff that's going on in the movie. It doesn't really warrant being seen through. I actually... When I, I didn't realize... But I think realize, he was yeah. terrified to do it. So right. for him, it's like, I risked my life to do it. Yeah. I want to show it as many we'll times as I want to show times. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, at first I was thinking that he was like going down a number of levels like, and kept grabbing lights. And then I think by the second... End of the second one, I realized, oh, they're doing this again. Okay, it's yeah, basically yeah. a giant fireman pole, and yeah. then he goes, but then he goes through glass and then lands on something. But it's so far away, you can't even tell that. Yeah, it's just sparks going yeah, out at yeah, that yeah. point. Yeah, is he? Gra- aren't there lights wrapped around the poles? Yeah. Too? Is it- okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a pretty wild sequence. But it's almost like at the end, there's you're getting to a point where you feel like, man, like is this? Uh, am I feeling? a little exhausted by this. It and almost then, and then goes it, on too long. And But then it ends, like, right as you're thinking, oh, maybe they're going to, like, ramp up to something even crazier, and then, no, it's done. But it's so... There's so much glass It's a, It's sequence. almost like... And then and then it almost finishes. He beats the shit yeah, yeah. out of the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then pushes him through more glass. Yeah. Because it's almost like, oh, we forgot to break this glass over here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's almost goes on a little bit too long at the end. Yeah, uh, that's the only flaw of this movie for me is that that ending sequence feels a bit indulgent. Yeah, uh, but it's also amazing and impressive. Oh, it's so impressive! It's so impressive, and you really I, again like I love how I love the soap opera quality of these Hong Kong films. You know, like again, like there's just such a 
there's just such a simplicity to the to the sense of melodrama and you know like he they, they drop the they drop the evidence and he shouts for his for his girlfriend for Maggie Chung to go get it and May. She's, for May and she's running and then she falls and like I actually would like yell like oh no she doesn't like, fall the guy oh, kicked yeah, her yeah 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 of course the bad guy yeah, of course because yeah, he's the bad guy yeah. he kicked but, her down the stairs <laughs> but it's like you see but she you know falls flat on her face and you're like oh no no May you know and you get really I, like I love how I mean again I can totally see how the audience in your in your theater was going. Ape shit because they, it was yeah. it was one of my favorite screenings I've had oh, in my life. That's incredible. Uh, but even like talk about like his relationship with May because again, as like you're watching this movie, going, oh, you don't know about May at the yeah. point where he is assigned to take care of this girl, yeah. protect her. So you're almost going, oh, is this a meet cute? Yeah. Are they gonna fall in love? Right. You know, is it that movie? Yeah. It's because it, it's this movie is just like setting up all these possibilities for where it could go. Yeah. But I love that there's that whole sequence at the apartment. Where he's shit talking May and she's in the room. Yeah. Well, let's see. Like it's just such a shit. And it's not because it's not just physical comedy. Yeah. And physical action. It's it. like he's doing other stuff, right? Well, it's just like this almost um, like shameless approach to comedy. Like we're gonna throw whatever we can at the wall and see. And most of it sticks, but it's not consistent. It's yeah. like I'm gonna do this. This sort of like that's almost like like a like a you know, Billy Wilder-esque kind of farce scene. But then you have this, like, we joked about sort of this, uh, the Three's Company sequence where they're playing back the audio of, yeah. the, you know, the, the tape with A dick joke it. in the courtroom. Yeah, there's a dick joke, and, then, and there's, like, stepping in poo. And yeah, then, and then and he then, turns like, into a moonwalk. Then he starts, like, yeah, breakdancing. <laughs> like, there's all this stuff that's, like, so goofy. And, and of course, like, this really, like, broad, broad side of a barn, like, music cues that are so absurd but it's like it works like it works i somehow. love it yeah I, I if anyone ever suggested music cues like that in a movie from of mine yeah. i crucify them yeah, yeah but here i love it but you, you wouldn't hate it though you wouldn't hate those guitar riffs though no 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 like that's but just but the, the use but the, of them the, the, sure it'd just be like it's a bit it's a bit much yeah it's a bit hat on a hat but he but he makes it work it works because the, mo- the whole movie's a hat on a hat that's just it yeah. right uh, it, it it shouldn't work. It should be cheesy and, and dated, but it's like there's something gleeful and joyful about it. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of movies, I guess, that are being rediscovered as sort of like outsider art type action movies from the 80s that were done like low budget, very independent. They're being re-released now. And those are almost like the, you know, when this kind of thing goes wrong, that's what you end up with. And this everything here just works so well because he's a really good director. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Yeah, but like he really understands where to put the lens and why. Yeah, uh, he loves to play his wide shots. Like all all that action plays out, and I mean, I'm sure these guys are covered in pads, but yeah, there's that shot where the three guys fall like at the beginning of the, the end of that beginning sequence where the bus comes to a screeching halt and they're thrown out of the bus. From the second floor of a double-decker bus. Through glass. Landing on their shoulders, yeah. on their backs. On concrete. Even with a pad, that's got to hurt. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, he shoots all the sequences. Like, even, like, the comedy scenes, the courtroom scene, with that same uh, level of energy. Yeah. You know? It's funny. I, I know that Edgar Wright's a big Jackie Chan fan and talks about him. And he's on the one of the Blu-rays here. Yeah. Because that's on the Criterion channel as well. And it's funny because I mean, not having ever watched some of this early earlier stuff, because um, you know everyone always talks about his Edgar Wright style as being very rooted in like the Coens, like Raising Arizona, Eric Coens, and Sam Raimi and stuff. But I actually I really see a massive Jackie Chan There's influence. So in much here, like the like the fast cutting, the crazy zooms, uh, and and yeah, again the way the way that the, those same movements are employed for both comedy and action, yeah, know, and drama, and for just and for maximum impact, and it's so. Like that's one one reason I think it holds up so well is that the cutting feels very contemporary. That's just it. Yeah, and it's like this is like he's easily my biggest influence just in terms of directing action comedy. Yeah. Uh, not that I've done a ton of it, but the little I've done in in my pieces, it's always about seeing it wide. Like there's yeah. a, that shot of uh, in Go Getters where Aaron gets hit by a car, and yeah. I was like, I got to do it wide. I don't. Sure. And the stunt guys are like, Well, we have him do it this way, and we just have him land into it. We can do it. It's wide. I'm like, Yeah, but it's not. 
funny. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Because yeah. when the audience is not going to react the same way to that, because that's how you expect it to be done cheap and easy. It's yeah. like when they see someone get hit and thrown and land in the yeah. same shot, yeah. they go, oh, because they know it looks real. It looks like it happened. Yeah. You know? And how did you guys, how did you guys do that? It'd take you a while. We to... spent a half a day doing that. Wow. Like we put, I, I said, this is going to be like one quick 10 second joke. Mm hmm. But I wanted to. I wanted it to feel real and land. Yeah. Uh, and it was. And for me, it was like it was worth the time and effort and money because those kind of things just add this authenticity to the movie that allow you for so many other things. Yeah. And that got a big laugh. I think when you screened it, right? Yeah. Massive. People, people laugh. aren't expecting. You're not that. expecting that. No, they know it's a little low budget, yeah. gritty movie, and so so stuff like that. But um, like that's one of my better examples because we actually had a car rig. Right. Um, well, there's stuff in we obviously we can't give things away, but there's there's a couple of moments in the new film. Yeah, you've seen where where there's you know stump, something happening in the foreground, well something ha- is happening yeah, in the background. All those all kind of shot, things, and, and the timing is down. Uh, and that's all a testament to me studying these movies and going, oh, there's a way to do this. Yeah, it takes a little extra time because yeah. you got to time things and you got to. Sure. Figure that out, but it's worth it because the it's so rewarding for the audience because I don't think they consciously know how much effort goes into that moment, but there's a, a, yeah, a and delight they, and glee to it. And they probably shouldn't. They probably shouldn't be thinking about it, you know, other 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 than to be surprised by it. Like, oh, I didn't expect him to go, you know, flying in the same shot as a car or whatever. Yeah, you know, I didn't expect him to. <laughs> well, and that's what it is, and that's yeah. what comedy, action comedy is. It's like doing the thing you don't expect. Like, you do not expect them to f- drive through an entire town. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's just, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I watching? I mean, the closest, you know, analogy I can think of in, like, American films, sort of up to this point, would have been something like uh, some of the chase stuff in The Blues Brothers. Sure. You know, like, they're doing the whole scene where they, like, drive through the mall. Destroy the entire mall. Well, nineteen. We watched. Did we there for the nineteen forty one episode? Yeah, we did that. You know, uh, and that's around this time. Yeah, it's this is eighty five. So that's and that was that was uh, oh, that's earlier. 70, that was seventy nine. Yeah, where they they're driving the tank through the paint factory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, you know that's an example of going big and it not working. But the, it absolutely is. Yeah. But the commitment to scale of a joke, yeah. right, and going that far with something. I feel like this worked, this definitely works better just because, well, I mean, like the, like the car gag in your movie, like I think you don't expect it. Like it really is the last thing you think is going to happen. You know, you, there's no way you could have predicted that that's where that sequence is going to end up. Yeah. You know, and then it keeps going. That's the amazing thing is that it keeps going for another like, like 10, five, 10 minutes, I think. Oh, that? No, it just, it just plays out Aaron being being. Injured. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. I meant, oh, I, meant, I meant in this. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Once, like, once they come down the hill, and they get to the bottom, and the guys are, aren't there, and he's got to chase them down on foot. Like they, So it goes on for, like, five, ten minutes. He goes, it's like he's, he, he grabs an umbrella. And you're like, oh, this is going to be, whatever this is, it's going to be great. Yeah. You know, it's all, he ha- all he has to work with is an umbrella. He's going to improvise. You know? Yeah, the umbrella, as, as after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that opening sequence is just phenomenal. That it's just a masterclass in going. This is how to wow you. This is how to grip an audience. Like, this is, this is how to, again how to keep building. Well, yeah, but yeah. your audience is not going to turn away at this point. Now you've also got to live up to it. Yeah, but it allows it. You start with a sequence like that, and it allows you to take a rest. And it does. That's the thing too that I, that I was sort of surprised by, and happily so, is the fact that it would it would then yeah take like 10, 15 minutes off where it's just funny. Which, when you think about, like, in 1985, this is, here's the thing, like, we're watching movies now, and this is how every action sequ- action movie starts now. Right. Like, an action, superhero movie, it's like, they, all, they all start now with these yeah. big, giant set pieces, yeah. and then they take a moment to set up, and they're almost, like, sometimes related to the main story, sometimes not, uh, but they, then they allow for, like, a good 10, 20 minutes of setup for the, the, the full main story that's coming, right? Yeah. Movies, like Hollywood movies, weren't doing that at this point in time mm-hmm. that I can think of, mm-hmm. right? They weren't starting the movie with a big bang. Mm-hmm. They were just like easing you into it. I mean, the closest the closest uh, uh, comparison might be something like, I mean, the James Bond movies always did that. Yeah. You know? But, but it's different. Not on this level. Not on this level. Uh, I guess that's not true. There were some pretty crazy opening sequences in James Bond. There's nothing that's like this, though. 
No. You know? It's like a ski sequence. It's like, I don't know, guys flying after each other in helicopters or whatever. But this is... Yeah. Like, this is a different level. Yeah, but it's also like stuff where you go, that's clearly a stunt person, that's clearly this. Sure. Like, that's the other thing you're watching. I was saying when we were watching it, just that sequence with Jackie and the the umbrella with that Mm. double-decker bus. Oh, yeah. Like, you look at that, and that puts... The, the Raiders to Lost Ark beat with the Jeep to shame sure. because you can see where the cuts are and where they're hiding mats or yeah. a stunt double. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. They and, had like a they had like a ditch dug in the ground behind yeah. that truck, right? He could be dragged in. That's just it. So yeah, yeah. it's still impressive yeah, and interesting. Yeah. But when you watch this where Jackie's just doing it. He's doing it for real. Yeah. But then you could also, you know, I think you could also f- take the flip side approach and go yeah, but what Jackie's doing is irresponsible and probably getting <laughs> and probably getting people hurt. Well, when you watch the credits and he's actually like, you can see what kind of pain he's in. They're like trying to fan him back to life. You realize, yeah, that he really did suffer for his art here. And they're, and they're hauling people away. Oh, hauling people away and on stretchers and it's like, oof. So there's that. There's yeah. also this yeah. something to say, be said about, and, and, and I want to stress that too as a filmmaker myself and Chris's as well. Like for me, it's safety is always first. Like I'm, I yes. Like for me, even that car stunt, I didn't go get it. I never would have done that if I thought someone was going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and it's always about that. And you try not to do, you know, more than you ever need to. Uh, it was yeah. the same in. Uh, I'm, I'm spoiling some of my movies. These movies were all released, but there's a move in, in, a, a beat in James versus the Future Self where Jonas's character jumps off a dumpster. Right. And the idea is like he's supposed to like he's trying to jump to catch a ladder and do like that moment where you jump. And, but he clearly is not... That character could never make that jump. Sure. And so, therefore, he doesn't in the movie. Sure. And for me, it was the same thing. They're like, well, if we just like have a camera down there and we see him land there, we don't throw... I was like, no. He's like, he's got to jump, miss, and land in the same shot. That's the <laughs> only way it's funny for me. Right. Like, and I yeah. said, if we can't do that safely, I don't want to do that. Well, yeah. I'll just rewrite the whole bit because yeah. it's not funny. It's not going to be funny if you shoot it... The other way. So what did you land in an airbag with like boxes on it or something? Well, it was an alley anywhere. I'm like, just like we fill it, we filled the trash bags with like made the mats out of trash bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was, and then later on in post, you make it sound like he's landing on bags full of glass and tin cans and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And and the audience goes, oh shit! Like the audience reacts the way you want them to because you you've done all the movie tricks and you make it seem like he landed on something harder than he did. Yeah, exactly. You know exactly. Uh, but that's just it. It's like, and so for me, I'm like, I don't want to do the, the bad, the, the, I don't want to say the cheap way of doing it. It mm-hmm. is the cheaper way of doing it too. But it's just like, audiences are savvy. They know that the actor didn't really do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And in a low budget film or a lower budget independent film, you, those are kind of your, your wow moments. Yeah. You know? So it, it makes sense that you spend half a day on like the, the scene in Go-Getters or, Whatever, because that's, you know... It's we like, don't get money. I don't have the money to, you to really, destroy yeah, a whole village. You don't, and, and the thing is, you, and it's not like you're making uh, movies that have like these big action climaxes. Like even, even like the way Roger Corman used to say, like, save all your money for the end. Like, you're not immediately making movies like that. So wherever you can, <laughs> wherever you can pull it off is great. I love just sprinkling them in randomly because sure. you're not expecting that's them. That's right. That's right. You know, because again, yeah, I'm not making that kind of a movie. Yeah. So whenever I can throw one in, uh, I love to throw in like a big, broad moment like that. That doesn't feel too cheesy or corny, but it just gives the audience a, it's just a little gleeful chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, did you expect this film before you saw it to have to be a little more serious in tone, or were you was it? So was it funnier than you expected? Was it? I went into this so cold. So you had no. I, I knew nothing. No I knew. I, I saw that Criterion had uh, announced the box set, yeah. which you know, as again, I'm a, I'm a Criterion nerd. So sure. as soon as I see Criterion putting out a movie like a Jackie Chan box set, I was yeah. like, those got to be good. Sure. I was like, that's got to be like of the cream of his crop if yeah. they're putting it yeah. out. So it automatically put a stamp of approval on it. Uh, and you know, I, I take any excuse I can get to go to the Apollo to watch yeah. a movie when I'm, when I'm out in that, that part of the world. And so it was kind of a no brainer for me. So I went on like a snowy night mm-hmm. 
and just was so delighted by it. I knew nothing going in, so I just let the movie unfold before me. I didn't know if it was going to be... You know, with the, with the title as vague as Police Story, yeah, yeah. that could have easily been a drama. I actually thought it was going to be a little a little harder-edged. Also because the Criterion art, it's just like it's him a little bloodied, and you think, oh, it's going to be like one of his... You know, kind of like kind of a darker earlier Jackie Chan movie, but no, it's completely wackadoo. It's oh, it's, right, it's, it's a car- it's, it's a, a live action cartoon. It is. It's a cartoon. It's a live action cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a soap opera cartoon. You know, I mean, I, I really probably could show it to my kids. One hundred percent, they would love much, it. There's not much in this that. You know, no, there, there's here, barely any blood. No, and the, and uh, and like the sex jokes would probably fly over their heads. Well, they would get them and be like, Ugh, probably groan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ignoring my kids. You, you'd have to have a conversation about the rape joke. Yeah, just to put it in context. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah it's a 35 year old scene. So, to be fair, it's just the sequence when he's juggling the phones and someone calls up to say they were raped. Yeah, and then he's confusing it with someone who lost a cow. <laughs> But then, but then someone else is being beaten by their husband. Yeah, it's just cavalierly treated. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those jokes don't really land other than going, ooh, Jesus. Yikes. It's funny in a way because you're not expecting it. Right. Uh, in that sequence. Yeah. Like, wow, what? <laughs> like, of all the crimes that could be called in, you pick two very violent crimes against women? Women, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's that. Uh, but it's... it's um, yeah, so, but other than that, I mean, the women aren't, even, but even the women, char- the female characters are, are getting, like, some great little fun stunt moments. Yeah, and they yeah. have their own agency, too, as characters, for the most part, right? Yeah, like, I, yeah. We, we, we started to talk a little bit, we, but, you know, Maggie Chung's relationship with him, like, it's sweet, it's yeah. not, yeah, it's just a sweet little wholesome relationship they have, they're a cute couple. They are, yeah. You know, he she that that moment where he she's trying to drive away, and, he, and it's that moment where you, you, in any other movie they just like he'd grab her and stop her, but it's like he pulls her off a of, like her little moped. <laughs> yeah, and the moped keeps going. Yeah, it's just fun. All the little details, all the little like grace notes, and the little beats. But just the are little so good. The way he sure. just finds ways to throw action in, like even yeah. in that scene where they're arguing over going to dinner with his mom and, and he's like, oh, the handbrake is not working on the car. Yeah. It turns into a huge... Yeah, thing. Like, yeah. that could have just been a conversation in any other movie. Yeah. Like, no, I'm going to make a thing out of the car going down the hill. It's just, yeah, it's like a Rube Goldberg kind of movie. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just, you got to imagine, like, Jackie Chan just walks around the world looking at how he can use just objects, like found objects... I, like, he'd look at my coffee table here and be like, I could slide through there. Right. I can do this. Like, the way he uses an escalator. The way he uses a clothing rack. Yeah. Like, nobody does that. The way... I know, um, you know, Tom Cruise talks about how they make the Mission Impossible movies now. Like, him and the writer or him and the director just basically travel around the they world. Walk around. Okay, what, what, Looking for cool locations. Yeah, and then let's link this up into a narrative. But Jackie Chan almost does the opposite. He's like, take me to the most mundane location. Yeah. And I will do something with it. Now, isn't there on the on the Blu-ray because um, there's an episode of that Jonathan Ross show where he goes to to Hong Kong to see him shooting one of his later movies? Is there footage where they're actually kind of observing Jackie and the team, like kind of making stuff up on the day, like oh, like let's do this, like why don't we try this because this is here. I don't think there's that in okay. this set. Yeah, but I've seen videos of that online. Right. There's a really great uh, for those who like the the YouTube series Every Frame of Painting. Sure. There's a really good video What's essay like Jack one? on Jackie Chan oh, and action comedy, and they get into Edgar Wright into it too. Yeah. So you can see directly what the influences sure. are, and it's even it's interesting because they even like compare. Jackie's Hong Kong stuff to his American stuff and, like, the difference and how it's like, is this not as good and here's why. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's true. It's not. It's not as good. I mean, I, you know, those those Shanghai movies, the, the Owen Wilson movies are fun, but yeah. it's not the same. No. It's absolutely not the same. No. And then the Rush Hour movies is the same thing. Like, they're just, they're just shot differently. Yeah, I've never seen those Rush Hour movies. That, that's, those are huge black holes for me, but I feel like those I aren't. saw the first one. Yeah. They're fine. 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 They're not this. Yeah. And, and that was 
really, like, this was my reintroduction into real Jackie Chan because I'd seen, like, that movie and a couple of other ones. I was like, oh, Jackie Chan, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah, fine. Yeah. But when I went and saw this, it just opened my eyes and was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's something special. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely adore it. So you have to go home now uh-huh. and watch Police Story 2. I wasn't sure if you wanted to say, let's do another episode on Police Story 2, but maybe that's redundant. Oh, I would come back for a I while. mean, I would 100% come back for Police Story 2. We, we, can, we can do it. Yeah. If you, if you want to save it... Let's do it. Let's save it. Then we got to find other people to watch the other one first to come in. Oh, for what? But, for, uh, to we'll watch Police Story? Okay, yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe Ian can watch it on his own or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's on the channel. Well, we'll then, so there's a good way to end it. So let's do final thoughts. Um, I mean, final thoughts, just so happy to have watched that. Just uh, what a delight. And yeah, I mean, I, it, it brought me back to when I used to watch a lot of those, like, because the Hong Kong stuff that I used to watch was a more like the, the John Woo, Choi Hawk kind of like more gunfight action stuff, which is, is a little, it's, it's, it's definitely funny, but in a very different way. And darker, um, but I always have really like. I forgot how much I loved that that era because it's it's just so fucking entertaining. It's just so fun. It just wants to like. It just it really just wants to kind of like dazzle and delight you the entire way through, and uh, and I think it's so important, as I said, for people to watch these movies because it it demonstrates the importance of a clear, clean engaging narrative which i think you know as we said is something that uh it's surprisingly it's a, bit of a lost art. it's a bit of a lost art and it's not as, so. as simple and that's a, when i i teach uh directing at a, at a film school mm-hmm. uh and it's, it's this like we're just literally doing our first assignments right now and that's what i'm hitting hammering them i'm like simple clear like yeah do that yeah and then you can branch off from there but yeah. it's like start there yeah so some of them want to just do these overly complicated stuff, and it's just like just do this, just keep it simple. Yeah, uh, pair it back. Yeah, yeah, and they and they have a really hard time with that. It's it's funny how uh, it's just again it's like chef. It's like how in in you know in culinary the best like French cooking schools the first thing they make you do is cook an egg. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Show me how you do the basics. Mm-hmm. Don't impress me right. with right. The camera angles. Just that. Show me the basics. Yeah, you know, and then we'll branch out from there. Uh, anyway, it's great. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see more. To cool. watch more. I'm, gonna, I, I'm excited. To actually, what I'm going to do is instead of going home and watching Police Story Two, I'm going to dig into some of the bonus features. Oh, for sure, you'll yeah. enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Christian Jeremy will return at some point in the near future with Police <laughs> Story Two. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Police Story. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.